Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 1043 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. It is 10... 10- Oh, one and 37 seconds, Tuesday, August 30th, 2023. The waiver wire just closed, so we are expecting some news here pretty soon. Um, hoping, you know, the Broncos cut some guys, release some guys, wave some guys, hope they clear waivers, and then they're going to bring them back on the active roster and put some other guys on short-term IR. So we expect to have some information pretty soon on that front, and we'll share it with you as soon as we get it because this is these are important sort of pieces to this team you got to fill out your 53 with guys who are all going to contribute especially the 45 who suit up so who will those guys be they're still tinkering uh orlando what do you think is bigger the jumbotron at at empower field or mount rushmore (laughs) i don't know nate the jumbotron at empower field or mount rushmore yeah i'm just talking the faces the faces oh just the faces yeah i think the faces right the mount rushmore uh, okay, because we're a mile above sea level. No, 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 no. I'm just talking about the the, the faces uh, on Mount Rushmore are 18 meters tall, 62 meters wide, which equals, <laughs> you know, I, we, don't, we just, don't do the metric system around here. Oh, you're saying just the faces, like, yeah, not yeah. like how tall it is, like at the end of the face on Mount Rushmore. Well, you're like the, the top the of the face, head to the like, bottom of the chin and then yeah, the width chin. of all, I think all four. Okay, you're saying just chin to, yeah. Chin okay. to head, the, all four dudes. Jumbo trucks. The Jumbotron's bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The and they built that thing in, like, four months. I just think it's bro, so impressive. When you're rich, you're rich, bro. But I just think it's so impressive how fast they built that thing. When you're rich, you're rich. When you got money, Nate, you got money. They could do whatever you want when you got money, Nate. Whatever you want? This guy said, 100 mil, let's go. This this ownership group said, two games left, let's blow a couple hundred thousand dollars That's to fix turf. the field. <laughs> when you got money, you, you move mountains. You can do whatever you want. Mount, literally, right? <laughs> they they would have made Mount Rushmore in like a week. The Penners would have got Mount Rushmore done in a week. Uh, if anybody out there listening was involved in the building, the creation of that Jumbotron, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what that was like. Was it like, whoosh, get back to work? We got a deadline here because I don't know how they did that thing so fast. 303-713-1043. If you were involved in the building of the Jumbotron, guys, reach out. Give me some stories. Was it crazy? Was, how many hours a day were you working trying to do that thing? Who was overseeing you? Were you were they giving you food? Could you sleep? Like, what was going on there? All right. Honestly, though, you could just do different things and change it around. I don't know what, like, something like that is as far as the working hours go, but I did a renovation on a property, and I did it in six months while I was coaching out there in San Francisco, and we touched every room. It was a house that was a that it was like a, a mansion here in Denver that mm. we were renovating to sell it. But I had people showing up after the workday, Nate. They would show up at like five thirty, like a whole separate crew of like eight people, and they would work inside that house from five thirty all the way to eleven o'clock at night. That's crazy. So they were already on a job, twenty four hour job. So I th- not twenty four like. Seven, like right, they would right, be right, done right, at 11, right, but right. they already worked like a nine to five in the morning. Right. Then came to my project in the afternoon and like switched out shifts with guys that I had working earlier in the day. So 
you know, I would imagine some of that was going on to build this Jumbotron, especially how quick they did it. Shout out to all you folks out there building the things that we use in our lives, whether it's the buildings we live in, the cars we drive, whatever, the gadgets we use, these computers we stare at. Although I don't think these computers were built here. Um, so all right. Philip Dorsett, real quick. Mike Quick Cliss has it. Source confirmed Broncos are signing wide receiver Philip Dorsett, but to the practice squad, not in 53 minutes. Oh, roster. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. A little. They can still ply him for the information he has on the Raiders. Yep. On the practice squad. Absolutely. Okay. So Philip Dorsett being added to the practice squad, who will they activate? Um, little Jordan Humphrey. I would imagine he'd be a good special teams piece. He profiles with a body type and the skill set as a guy who can contribute on special teams. Marcos Callaway, probably not so much. Um, but uh, obviously, Jerry Judy's health is imperative in figuring out what this what this offensive attack is going to look like in the first couple of weeks. All right. The big news yesterday was that Alberto was uh, released by the Broncos, and then we found out that nope, he was traded to the Eagles. Traded to the Eagles for... A six-round pick, and the Broncos gave up a seven. They basically swapped picks. The reason why they did that instead of just releasing him, the Eagles wanted him, and the Eagles, because they were in the Super Bowl, were one of the very last waiver priorities. Yeah. And so they realized that this guy's not going to get all the way to us, and so we need to make a deal to get him. So they brought him in there, which was sort of a head-scratcher for some of us because that's a run-heavy team, and we all determined that um, Alberto couldn't block. So how do you think he's going to get used there? Well, I- Philly is a run-heavy team, but they also do some things that are unique and creative that not a lot of teams have the ability to do in the National Football League. So they have, you know, your traditional RPO, your run-pass options, right? But they run a lot with, with Jalen Hurts. They'll let him run the football, and he could then pull it down at the last minute and throw the football, right? Like, like So they will give him the option of, hey, here is the cross-flow option of, you know, handing the ball to the running back. Now he has now he has the option to run the football himself. And oh, if you think you're going to get tackled, you could just pull up, nice little your own variation of the jump pass. All right. So a guy like Albert O now, that's that could stay alive for you in the passing game. That you know if a, a linebacker comes off of him and tries to go make the tackle on a guy like Jalen Hurts. Well, now you got DBs trying to tackle Alberto in the middle of the field. Yeah. So it's an added advantage. I think this is a heck of a move by Philly. I think they got better yesterday with, with signing Alberto. Well, we're going to see what happens with Alberto. We'll be watching it. But either way, the Broncos kept rookie free agent Nate Atkins over Alberto. They decided that Nate Atkins was the better football player and the better piece for this team. Here's George Payton talking about Nate Atkins versus Alberto. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's Atkins versus Albert O. I mean, we have four tight ends we really like, and they all fit exactly what we're doing. They all have their roles, their defined roles. So it really wasn't one versus Albert. Yeah, Atkins, I mean, Sean just spoke about it, the versatility, the toughness, the smarts. He's a football player. He's a guy we had targeted throughout the process, just like Jaleel. Um, we, were, we almost drafted him. just didn't fall. We didn't have a lot of picks, but we were really fortunate to get him. Uh, as an undrafted free agent. He's been everything we thought, and we had him in on a top 30. Uh, love the visit. I mean, he's got a great mind. Um, he can do a lot of different things. He's a coach's dream just because he can do so many different things, play special teams as well. So that just shows you what they value as a coaching staff, as a, as a scouting department here. Versatility over an, a freakish athletic ability. Well, we've already said it, right? We've said Albert O and Greg Dulcich, very similar players. Right, so you already have the freak athlete, right? 
So now you got to get as much players behind the freak athlete that does show their versatility. You're only allowed to have 46 guys active on game day. Guys are, if you're not a starter, you got to be able to do a lot of things. I remember like the, the sixth and seventh offensive lineman. Well, back in my day, you're on kickoff return. Have fun. I've never seen more linemen get knocked out before in my life than on kickoff return. It makes no sense. It's horrible. Especially but, when the wedge, <laughs> when you guys would just go back there, yeah. hold hands and just like. Argh. It makes no sense. It was right? like Braveheart. But it is all about versatility. It, especially in the NFL. It's not like these college rosters where it's about quantity in college, I feel like, versus uh, quality in the NFL. Yeah, and we've talked about this sort of uh, ad infinitum. You have to be a versatile player if you're the third or fourth tight end. Alberto, there just wasn't a spot for him. Um, he wouldn't be suiting up. He wouldn't be, you know, if, 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 if Nate Atkins is the better special teams player, then you keep him. Right. If he's the guy who is versatile, and Sean Payton also talked about Nate Atkins. We don't have the the sound there, but he basically said that he's pretty consistent each day. You know what you're getting. I think if he's assigned the Sam Sam linebacker and the play's over with, look, it may not have been perfect all the time, but he's probably blocked the Sam. He was just one of those guys who day in, day out got his job done. Got some position versatility. You see him playing some fullback. It's kind of that F tight end, if you will. Look. Relative to, look, if if he could play on the ball, but he's probably a little bit better off the ball. Man, the writer was on the wall with Nate Atkins. When but we, didn't even Payton, t- like, we didn't even talk about him. Yeah, was, we, we didn't. Yeah. But as soon as Sean Payton said that, hey, a fullback's in, in training camp, well, who the hell was the backup fullback from day one? Nate Atkins. And so for me, the writer was on the wall. As long as that Nate Atkins was able to show that, hey, I grasped the this playbook, and I'm willing to, you know, stick the Rydell sticker in there and try to fire off and try to maintain this block. I'm a willing participant. I'm going to be on this football team. And that's how it all, when dominoes all fell, that's how it fell. Well, it is Raiders week. We talked Raiders about that. Week. You know, they, it may not be this Sunday, but it's next Sunday, and it's the next game on the schedule. It's Raiders week. Will this one guy who's a new Bronco be responsible when it all comes down to it? One last play. Is this guy going to win it or lose it? That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. If you want to get popped in your knee, just... Take that look off your back of this. Take me, because I got what you need. Little Sublime. Sublime, one of the... Dow just said, one of the best bands of all time. There you go. Bradley Knoll died too young. 26 years old. What kind of music would they be making today? That's almost 30 years since that dude died, man. The 90s took a lot of, took a lot of musical acts. Tupac, Biggie, Bradley, Kurt Cobain, all within like two years of each other. Mm-hmm. And then 1969, or maybe it was 1970, had the same. Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. It was like all clustered in there. Yeah. What did they say? When bad things happen, they happen in threes? Right. Yep. All right. Um, I asked you guys about uh, if anyone was involved in... In the construction of the Jumbotron, the thing that's bigger than the, the faces of Mount Rushmore that they did in like two weeks. 
Someone saying uh, on the RamosLaw.com text line, I work construction in a union out here in the Bay Area, and let me tell you, when they want something done, they'll throw overtime out, and it's tough to turn it down. I worked at the Apple Spaceship for three years, sometimes seven days a week, 12-hour shifts. They were dropping some serious cash to get that place built. I'd assume it was the same at the stadium. That's from Tommy in NorCal. So like you said, you got the money, Mm. you throw it at them, they're going to get it done. Oh, yeah. They're going to okay. get it done. Some of those overtime hours, how do you turn them down? Right? Time and a half? Hey. Or sometimes you'll see, like, double time. Right? I mean, at that point, if I'm already doing this, if I'm showing up to, for this hourly wait, and now you're tripling it, all right, family, I don't care what we got going on. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. I got to go get the, I could, like, I'm essentially killing three birds with one stone. <laughs> well, we've already seen you pull, like, eight-hour radio days before, oh, so we know you're ready to work. Yeah, you know, I try to show my versatility. You know, I like like Sean Payton's trying to get those Broncos. I try to show my versatility here. Well, you're calling, you're calling some, some t- TV games this year. You got your first one coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. Talk about your process there. You, are you memorizing names? What's going on in your mind right now? Because this can't be easy. There's a lot. Yeah. There's, it's been going a, a, a mile per second. I mean, it's been unbelievable, but just trying to figure out a process. It's something different. It's something new, right? Yeah. And yesterday morning, you know, studying just offense, Syracuse offense. Yesterday night, Syracuse defense. This morning, you know, college rule changes. Talking to Colgate's coaching staff today after the show. Then tonight I'll do a Colgate's offense. And then tomorrow morning I'll do their defense. And then, you know, I've been, you know, writing my little notes down and typing that up on my, you know, just my one pager for during the game. And this morning picked up my, my game chart with the names and all. It, it, it's it's been a lot. So is the assumption I'm doing it right though. Dude, you're gonna you're gonna it's not gonna be perfect the yeah. first time, but you're gonna get better each time. You're gonna do a great job. I wonder though, do they expect you to have every single name memorized from these rosters? Because it's got to be like combined, like 150 dudes. Yeah, no, I doubt that because um, you get that little sheet, and that sheet has everybody's, and it has a, like you're looking at a depth chart. You have a depth chart kind of right in front of you as you're talking. So, so you got to just get skilled at just like looking down real quick, finding the dude, and then acting like you didn't have to look down to find the dude. Yeah, and then like for me, uh, I tell the play-by-play guy. Like the more you could say the person's name, like pass, you know, you know, Garrett Schrader rolls to the right, pass complete to such and such Thomas, Albert Okabunam. Okay. Now it's like okay, and you don't want I this dude to mispronounce it. I'm calling Albert O. Albert O. Exactly. <laughs> if I was on that, if I was on that uh, broadcast, right? So NFL Cut days yesterday, last couple days, George Payton talked about 1,400 guys basically getting cut loose. Some of them are going to get picked up. Some of them are done with football forever. We've talked a lot about the struggles uh, that guys have moving on um, life after the NFL. I had a thought. You tell me what you think of it. It's not, We're not going to spend too much time on it. But, you know, there's a lot of similarities between professional football and the U.S. military. Uh, just a, just a, We hear it a lot from veterans talking about, you know, um, similar struggles they have after they're done playing, similar kind of um, – way they feel about, you know, the brotherhood of their camaraderie, um, being isolated together, working on a mission together, a physical mission together, a mental mission together, and feeling that isolation when you get pulled out of that. Do you think there should be a pipeline from the NFL to the U.S. military where some of these 1,400 dudes are given information about the armed services and may be able to be given a path to join? I think you could get 20 to 30 
to 40 special ops dudes out of these 1,400 guys who would make this country a lot more badass. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, the mindset, right? The whole, you know... And I want to be very careful with my words. There's a reason why I've done USO tours since I've since I've not played in the NFL. I've been on four USO tours in five years. I've been to Guantanamo Bay. I've been to over there in Germany. I've been in Spain. I've been in Italy. Um, I can't do what some of these people have done for our country. I can't. And I think it's the most selfless act that any human being could do saying I'm going to go fight for my country but the football players that do get cut I think that we're all we're kind of of the same mindset we're used to being a soldier point to this point me in this direction tell me what you need me to do and I'm going to go do it whenever my wife gets mad at me I look at her and tell her I say listen you might be mad but there's one thing I know that you know you know that I'm a soldier you know that I'm going to do whatever needs to be done that's what you, why you, you love me. That's why you care so much about me. So when I look at some of these guys that, yeah, football is at the end of the road, I do believe that they could, you know, pivot and maybe join the, you know, the U.S. military and, and definitely would have the same kind of mindset and of the I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And you could count on me and the brotherhood of it and like the locker room feeling and the fact that like we're all we got mentality. I think those things would with transition, yes, I do. But at the same time, I'm not trying to take anything from anybody that fights for the, their country because not. it's not something that I could do personally. And I know that. And I believe that that's the ultimate act of kindness. Well said. I think, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges of moving on from, from football, and that's what we know, so that's what we talk about. We're not trying to speak for anyone else here. But for me, one of the hardest parts was just no more itinerary. Yeah. No, no more schedule. Like, you know, you play football, they tell you what you're doing. Yeah, they give they hand you a binder when you first walk in there on day one, and it tells you every minute, everything you're going to be doing, not just today, not just this week, but basically until the season starts. And once the season starts, you have every minute accounted for. It's a freeing feeling not having to put your own schedule together and figure out what you're going to do with your day, but by having someone hand you a paper and, and tell you exactly where you're going to be at what time, and you can focus on being there and being your best. Right, and then and then you and then you're done playing, and all of a sudden you got to come up with your own schedule. Guys get lost in the shuffle and don't know what to do with their time. Yeah, I remember like going from college to professional. It was like, whoa, I got a lot more free time. What do I do? And then wait, but you had more free time as a pro. Yeah, because you don't no have classes. the classes and stuff like that. But then you learn very quick that you have to fill that free time work recovery. Yeah. All right? You, you got to make sure that you're ready to go the, the next week, right? So um, I, I remember that aspect. And then when you you stop playing, then it's just like, oh, my goodness gracious, what in the world do I do now? But we, we do got a little bit of Bronco. Um, Break it. You know, uh, that kicker that we cut yesterday, Brett yeah. Maher? Yeah. Uh, the Rams are working to sign former Broncos kicker Brett Maher per source. That's wow. out of uh, Adam Schefter. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, he that didn't take long for mm. Brett Maher. Didn't it? He had a good camp. He had a good camp. Faced some adversity, bounced back, um, showed that he could still make some quality kicks in this league. And if you're the Rams, you just got that goose egg the other day, right? That, that's a guy that you just share the same field. You got to watch him a couple days. Of, and, and, you know, during those joint practices, that's how you know – and realize that, once again, how important these joint practices are. 
Because he didn't get an opportunity to kick a field goal. The Rams kicker didn't get one in the game, right? No, no, no. I don't think they crossed midfield. Oh, hold on. Yeah, they did they get one? No, it was, I mean. They, they didn't get one, right? I don't think so. Yeah. But, I mean, you got to see, like, my heart kick. Five for five from extra points. Yeah. Two for two from field goals. You got to go against him, try to ice him. Yeah. You know, try to line some things up in practice. So. I'm glad you brought that up because his replacement, Will Lutz, is here now. Will Lutz had some really good years in New Orleans. None of those years were the last several. Are we worried about Will Lutz and his ability to ice it, to win a game for the Broncos? We'll talk about that next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Billy Ray was a preacher's son, and when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. When they gather around and started talking, Dustin Billy would take me walking. Out through the backyard, we go walking. Then he look into my eyes. Lord knows to my surprise, the only one who could ever reach me. You feeling this music, Dante? Uh, see, see, I was trying to let it play, Dante. And you were like, you're supposed to be talking right now. You're supposed to be talking. I know that. All right, it's the Players Club. And this is a darn good song, Dante. And you may never have heard it before. Because you have a mustache and you're 24. Right? Yeah, almost everything you just said was wrong. Um, I was also joking when I said this is the part where you go. Um, I know that you know that. But I, I know that song. That's a good song. I feel like like you're like the joke to like re- appreciation of joke ratio is off be- with us. Like you, you have to tell me when you're joking, and I sort of knew when you were joking, but I didn't find it funny. And then you're like, "That was a joke," and I'm like, "I knew that was a joke," and I'm riffing on the fact that I didn't think it was a funny joke. And you're like, "I don't," you know what I'm saying? Like we we, we, have, we have some stuff we have to figure out. Yeah. No. I'd what about the that. mustache and the 24 years old? Is that accurate? Uh, I do have a mustache. Uh, I'm 24. Six. Oh, six. Well, I just, like, a couple weeks ago. Happy 26th birthday. Thank you. What did you do for your birthday? Uh, nothing. I have a uh, 20 kilos, so I didn't really get to do too much. Wow. No. So you do have a weakness? Yes, me and uh, me and Achilles both. Do you do you know the story of Achilles? Uh, I mean, from the movie Troy, but not too much deeper than that. Do you know why the Achilles heel is the weakness? In the movie, in the in the in, in the, the story, in the lore, in yes. the story, it is because he was dipped in that river and and they held. held him by the Achilles. Which Look I don't you, get. Man. Why don't they just like put 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 him all the way in? Well, because they didn't want him to <laughs> fall in and drown. Well, if you could just put, they couldn't put their own hand in there. What do you mean? No, like, they they but but they were covering the skin while holding the Achilles, and so you dip it, and that skin doesn't get. Oh, touched. so he did get fully submerged. Yeah. Okay. Just, you, I thought they were like holding him by that, and they didn't stick that part in. Maybe they should have held him by like his big toe. Yeah, then you'd be then the big toe would be the weakness. Then you'd get turf toe, oh. and that would suck too. All right, the Broncos kicker uh, situation has been an interesting saga ever since B Mac was tapped on the shoulder and told he'd have to ski daddle. Brandon McManus was a good kicker for a while, fell off, and uh, became more trouble than he was worth. So they sent him packing, and they signed a couple guys in his place. Elliot Fry, Brett Maher, those guys had a, a, a camp competition until Elliot Fry was let go as well. Um, you know, he had a little injury, and they gave him an injury settlement and told him to scram. And so the idea was, is it going to be Brett Maher, or are they going to bring in somebody? Well, Sean Payton had an ace up his sleeve the whole time, reuniting with his old kicker, Will Lutz. Uh, on its face, that sounds pretty cool. But Will Lutz has had his struggles of late. Uh, 2022, his worst 
year as a pro, 74.2% kicking field goals, not very good, even below Brandon McManus, who had a historically bad year last year. 2021, Will Lutz was out of the league altogether dealing with an injury. Uh, and 2020 wasn't that great for him either. Orlando, what is your what is your current thought on Will Lutz as your kicker and understanding that a lot of these games are one-score games that come down to the last kick? Do we have faith that Will Lutz is going to return to form? I got faith that Sean Payton understands Will Lutz better than probably any coach that has ever been around him. You know, last year we looked at how Brandon McManus' season started off, how the Broncos tried to win that game at the end. Right, and I think, what, they're kicking from 63 or something like that? <laughs> That's what VMAX said. But, um, you know, in a situation like that, well, that you you got Brandon McManus saying, okay, like, I could try from here. Yeah, and the coach is saying, okay, you know, you got the leg, you got the leg. You got this right, VMAX? Yeah, so, and the Broncos didn't really do anything else to try to make that easier. Right, because they had a couple more downs, if my memory serves me correct, and it didn't look like they were that aggressive. They looked like they got to their spot and they were fine at their spot. So for me, you know, looking at Will Lutz, yeah, it's been down. It's been bad, since down and out since Sean Payton has left. But I think that those guys have enough rapport to lean on each other back and forth where you might put them in a better position to succeed, right? So... I just look at the kicker. Go out there and make the dang kick, dude. Like, make the I mean, kick. wherever you say you're good from, make sure you just go out there and put it up through the uprights. Like, that's my expectations when I look at, like, specialists. You get to this stadium, you know, we're playing here in Colorado. You might be good from, I don't know, 38, right, where, where that turns into, like, what, a 45, like, 55-yarder, right? Okay, if you say you're good from 38, make sure you're good from 38. If you say that you're no good, okay, Understand, now it's our job as a offense, as the play caller, as the head coach, to get you in the position to, which is best going to have you succeed. Shouldn't it be up to the special teams coach to decide where you're good from and not you as the kicker? I mean, you're always going to think that you can kick it further than you can, so the special teams coach should be putting you through the kicks and warm-ups, seeing where your leg's at, seeing what you're making, and then he should be the one who tells the coach where you're good from. Not, I think that's the order of the operation, though. But it seemed like last year it was like BMAC told me he was good from 46 on the left hash, you know? I'm, and so, like, they, they got to that, and he's like, BMAC told me he could do it. Yeah, but that's the thing. Last year's coaching staff didn't collaborate. Hmm. Russell Wilson said that, hey, I promise you, they're going to play man-to-man defense, so we have to have all these plays up against Seattle. Well, what happens when they throw you a curveball? Now you have to adapt and adjust. Coaches didn't adapt and adjust last year. I don't care what BMAC tells you. Okay, what do you, what do you, what does your eyes tell you while you're he's watching these kicks? So you guys got to find a consistent number that he's good for him because he might be telling you thirty eight, but in all actuality, in that stadium, your eyes might consistently now be telling you thirty five. As a coach, now you got to be able to collaborate with your guy, your guys that you're coaching, because guess what, coach? You got a funny little habit. You like three square meals a day, right? So if your guy's not going out of there and having success for you, you're going to get fired. You're not getting that money. You're not going to have those three square meals a day. So always, in my opinion, should be a collaboration, especially when it comes to the kicking game. 46 left hash, that means it's a 64-yard kick, and he went for that instead of going for it on fourth and five in Seattle. Sea level, dense, dense ass air. But also the third down before, I mean, the, it, the play call wasn't looking like we were trying to go get the first. Why not try to go get the first down? Mm. Why not make it a lot easier? They looked like they got to a spot and they were content. 
Yeah, it was a clown show last year, and it just shows you the difference in experience. A coach who um, has been through all these experiences before and understands them. I mean, you hear Sean Payton talk about special teams, and he talks about that with a level of intricacy that you just realize that it's all part of the same – it's all under the same umbrella for him. Every single situation, situation, as he calls it, you're going to arrive in – He's been there. He's done that. He has a philosophy for it. And that philosophy has layers and layers and layers and layers. And maybe that's why he's bringing Will Lutz in because he understands Will Lutz and his limitations and his abilities as a kicker. And so how important is it going to be for a coach to understand his kicker in situations like that? That's got to help him, right? Absolutely. It's going to help him sleep better at nighttime as well. As I can imagine, if I'm Sean Payton, I got Brett Maher on, I'm, I'm wondering when's the next time he goes haywire. When's the next time it he yips? Yeah, it doesn't matter. He, he could literally go through the whole entire season. And the Browns could say they got a playoff berth. I'm wondering if this is the week. But I've been stressed out all season as well. Is this the week? That's just the history of it. When you put something on tape in this league, it doesn't just get erased. It's always out there. Yeah, Will Lutz, not not a guy with a huge leg. He's only got one 60-yard field goal in his career. Um, I do have uh, you know, a, an idea that when he gets here, he's going to kick a few of them because, hey, the air is thinner here. This is the where, place you want to be as a kicker. Um, that's where you know, Jason Elam, Matt Prater, those guys both you know, 63, 64, 65-yarders. So yeah. um, hopefully Will Lutz can increase uh, his, his productivity. What were you going to say? We got something? some Broncos stuff. Tell me, tell me. Um, we got So we got a, a subtraction. We got Tony Jones Jr. going to the Saints practice squad. But uh, we do have Ben DiNucci coming back as the Broncos on practice squad. Love it. Uh, ben DiNucci, impressive out there. Yeah. And although Jared Stidham had a really good game the other night, Ben, did, ben DiNucci did, did as well. 11-15, to 15, a touchdown, over 100 yards, very efficient. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the Broncos with this because I thought that he was one of the candidates when you saw how they released all the releases yesterday. I thought he was a candidate. The team might be saying that new rule, three three guys, you know, quarterback, might want to keep a third quarterback looking at what happened in San Francisco in the championship game. I thought team might have stole him. So glad that he's coming back with the Broncos, but now it's every week, right? At, at any given time, if there's an injury, if you're the Broncos, do you have to just automatically activate them so another team can't steal them from you because your practice squad money and activated money, two different things. Very different. Very different. Ben DiNucci signed to the practice squad, so you got your same three quarterbacks that were here in training camp. Um, Russell Wilson injured three times last year. Jarrett Stidham, will he be able to hold up? You know, the 49ers last year started with Brock Purdy as the third quarterback on that team, and he ends up being the starter uh, going forward. So you never know how things are going to play out. You have to have contingency plans, and the Broncos are putting those in place. The waiver wire closed 40 minutes ago. We're going to continue bringing you information on the Broncos assembling their roster. That's next. One, two, three, four. Sports Station 1043 Brown with Orlando did I call it Tuesday early? This, I don't know. <laughs> August 30th, 2023. The waiver wire just closed about 45 minutes ago. And uh, we got some new Broncos news to report. I mean, it's nothing groundbreaking. Uh, yeah, nothing... it was just... Uh, 
Let me find that one back. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Broncos signing defensive tackle PJ Mustafer back to practice squad as well. Per right. source, Mike Clist has tweeted that out. Tyler Lancaster as well, right? Tyler Lancaster, PJ Mustafer, um, Ben Anucci's came out as well. I think that's it so far. So a lot of the and, and Mike Purcell was asked was basically released, right? And they're going to sign him back after these guys go on IR? Yeah, I don't I don't know too much about that, but I I last year Mike Marcel was released right at the end. Yep. And but it was with, you know, getting guys to short-term IR versus right. long-term IR. So not putting guys on IR yesterday versus putting them on them today. And they did the same thing with Eric Tomlinson last year. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah. So how would you feel if they did if they if they came to you and were like, "Oh, like Here's what we got to do. Dog, I don't care. As long as I'm on that squad, that 53-man roster, was it the Thursday before the first game where my salary's guaranteed? Yeah. Good to go, coach. Yeah. Good to go. What about going down to the practice squad? Not good to go. Not good to go, coach. (laughs) Not good to go, coach. What if you you hadn't really made your money yet? Um, You know what I mean? Like, you're a veteran, you've been, you know... League minimum, bouncing yeah. around the league. I mean, like Philip Dorsett. Like Tyler okay. Lancaster, right? Thinking that he was making the team five days ago. I'm making this team. Family, come on down. Right? I'm not playing in this third preseason game. To now, you get released and you got you got cut, and now you're coming back on practice squad. Like a guy like that, a veteran guy, right? That's yeah. Played in the NFL, played some snaps. And Philip Dorsett doing that to keep the dream alive. He's 30 years old. Yeah. You know, at different times, different guys get to different points of their career. Philip Dorsett's at 30 right now. I was at a, when I was 30, I retired, Nate. So for me, you know, would I have came back that year and played on practice squad? Absolutely not, because I was going to be active that year. I was going to start out there in Washington. So where I was at with, with my career, no. But some guys, that's the question of the love for the game comes in into question at, at times like that, where me, I was falling out of love with the game. So the Broncos are keeping two active quarterbacks on their team. Russell Wilson, Jared Stidham, Ben DiNucci is going to be on the practice squad. That means on game day you'll have two quarterbacks and two quarterbacks only. Mm-hmm. Active. Russell Wilson showing a propensity to get banged up last year. Took off for the for the end zone. Dove across the, the goal line. Landed. Tore his lap. Yep. Had to go on a flight to L.A. to get PRP in his latissimus dorsi. Mm-hmm. Couple weeks later, he's taking off for the sideline, the other sideline, trying to get a first down. Ah! Pulls his hamstring. We didn't hear about that until later, but we did hear that it was like a grade two tear. Had some treatment on that one as well. And then another run he took off, dove for a first down, landed on his head, concussion. Okay. Now, we all know that Russ is back and he's fixed and he's never going to have another injury or problem or interception again. But if he does run into some more injury issues, do you feel comfortable going into a game with a banged up, you know, potentially banged up Russell Wilson and Jared Stidham and and no insurance plan after that? Yeah, it's football. Um, Your insurance plan is the backup quarterback. You only get you get 46 guys on on that roster that 46 people that are able to be active in order for the Broncos 45 you could make it 46 if you add the third QB that's okay. the wrinkle of the but you have to put that third QB on the 53 man yeah so for me going into a game as a play caller I would be calling the game drastically different if Russell Wilson got banged up because now I know I'm on my last leg right so I mean it's everything that you do in this league, Nate, is a risk. Even when you go out there with eight offensive linemen, all it takes is three plays, and then you're 
you have no insurance policy because it takes one play for each person to get banged up. So I, I think where the Broncos are at right now, the fact is they didn't want to keep three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. That was already determined. Yep. So with that being said, you have to be okay going into each and every game with only two quarterbacks. Now, when the season goes down the line, maybe that changes. If Russ does get banged up, maybe you do activate Ben DiNucci. Maybe now you do see the Broncos going to games and there is uh, three quarterbacks suited up instead of just two. I just wonder who that emergency quarterback is going to be. Because Kendall Hinton's gone. <laughs> Who's it going to be? Huh. Dante, you got a question for us, bud? I do. You, um, you, you mustache us a question? Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's a good joke. Um, if you're on the 53, do you still get a game check if you're not active? Indeed, you do. Heck yeah, you do. That's a good question. You do. If you're um, on the 53, Dante, as soon as, um, like, I think it's a, it's either the Wednesday or the Thursday before the first game of the season, that whole, that your whole salary that year becomes guaranteed. So it doesn't matter if you're But up don't you have down. to be a vested veteran for that? Um, to have, yes, have your yes, whole salary yes, guaranteed. You're, you're a vested you veteran. Essentially four, so four years of service there. Three and a half. Isn't it three and a half. Yeah. Well, but, but, but it's, it's the fourth year. Four year. Yeah, so because it would have it would kick in the next season. Someone on the RamosLaw.com text line saying, "What is the role of the practice squad players during the week versus their role during games?" Uh, I can answer that because I've been <laughs> on the practice squad. Yeah, I was what, a practice what, squad receiver. So. Yeah. What's the roles during the games? Well, the games you're not you're not you're you're not there. I mean, you're on the sideline chewing sunflower seeds, wearing sweats. Or if it's a road game, you stay home. You stay home. Depending on teams. Depending on what team. Because San Francisco, we traveled with the whole okay. team. Okay. We, at the very end of our practice squad year, we were, I, I went on the first, I, I went on my first trip. It was against the Colts, and it was like weeks 15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Week 15 or 16. But for the most part, we stayed home, man, we, and we hit the streets. And we'd meet people, we'd be like, they, we'd be like, we play for the Broncos. They'd be like, no, you don't. They're playing right now. Why are you here? But I'll tell you, though, practice week, is a lot harder than for the average for the for the starters because you take every single rep, every single rep of the period. It's a track meet out there. It's for a track guys. meet for a receiver. <laughs> um, you're set up to fail in a way. You're set up to make the you know the ones get ready for the game, and you have to take every rep and you have to you know really press it to prepare these guys to play well. But I, I'll tell you what, Dante, when I was on the practice squad as a receiver and our defense played well in the game, I felt some pride there because I knew I was preparing them. You know what I mean? So so we had competitions, like me and Charlie Adams, who was also a practice squad receiver, who's catching more passes, who caught more touchdowns, and we had to pay each other at the end of the week. Mm. Both stuff like that to keep us engaged and motivated. But I would say the physical aspect of practice is is harder for the practice squad guys because you're literally taking every single rep of scout team, and then you're also taking a few reps of, like, first teams, whatever, because you got to rotate with some of those guys. You like that? I don't agree with that, Dante. Right, tell me how I'm wrong. Because they're not getting hit. On Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. They're not getting tackled to the ground. They're not getting in these 75 car, mini car crashes. You wake, you show up on a Wednesday, my body feels like garbage. Practice squad, you ready for that track meet? No, 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 I'm saying practice. No, practice is hard. <laughs> yeah, practice is a lot harder. It's we not don't play in the game. The physical aspect. And it's a super. Just talking about. It's a letdown, man. It's, it's you a little bit, Nate. No, no, I appreciate it. It's a Wednesday, though. I appreciate it. If we're different jerseys to practice, we would put on like a red jersey of the team. Where like if if I'm like we played Rand, we're playing the Minnesota Vikings this week, okay? So Randy Moss is number eighty four. So I'm putting on a red jersey eighty four to go out there against the defense. That way they know they can just hit hit the heck out of you. No, they don't really hit the receivers down the field in practice. But but if you are Randy Moss that week, all the balls are coming your way. Like the quarterback is forcing it to you down the middle, forcing deep balls. Like it was, it's a really fun week 
Who's your favorite guy you got to? Randy. That's why I brought him Oh, you were Randy? I was, yeah. You felt your hand on the sideline on the go route. And not only that, but I got to do funny. Like, Randy would walk off the ball off the line of scrimmage. Like, when the ball was snapping, he would just walk three steps and and then go into his route. Nobody else would do that. Randy Moss would because he was so good and understood the pacing and the speed of everything. And, like, he was faster than everybody, so he could let the play develop and then burst into it. And it was really fun to be able to screw around like that because we had rules as receivers. We couldn't do that crap. Randy could, and so could I the week that I was Randy. Mm. Um, And so, hey, good question, Dante. (laughs) Good question, Dante. We appreciate it. Thanks for rocking with us today on the Players Club. Stick around. Oh, wait. Hold Tyler on. Tyler Batty, back on practice squad. Tyler Batty, back off, on the practice off, squad. Uh, running back. And O-lineman Will uh, Sherman, back on practice squad for the Broncos as well. All right. Broncos still making moves. The waiver wire just closed. And I know that Stokely and Zach are going to keep you informed. That's it for us on the Players Club. Stick around. Stokely and Zach, they're next.